parenting is legit the hardest job we'll ever do. And to do it well, to show up in a way that feels good, we need to be tending to our own wellness. But how do we make time for that in the midst of raising kids? Today, I'm interviewing Dr. Brooke Kalanick, naturopathic medicine doctor and women's hormone specialist. And we're going to cover everything from how to prioritize you in the midst of your busy life to how to know what your hormones are telling you about your health. Stay tuned. Parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three. And you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics. And I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Welcome back to Raised Resilient. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and I'm so glad you're here. I have such a wonderful episode in store for you today. If you have ever struggled to prioritize your health and wellness in the midst of raising kids, this episode is for you. We all know parenting is stressful. We all know that it takes a lot out of us to show up in a way that feels good. But parenting is the sort of stress that we willingly take on. We want to be parents. We want to spend time with our kids. And so how do we manage the stress that comes with parenting and also prioritize our own well-being? And if you remember the episode I did on mom rage or parenting rage a while back, I talked about four main reasons that you are finding yourself in a state of rage all the time with your kids. And your health and underlying hormone imbalances was one of those reasons. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Dr. Brooke Kalanick, naturopathic medicine doctor and women's hormone specialist. Dr. Brooks also the host of the Dr. Brooks show podcast and the author of hangry, which is honestly like a roadmap to understanding your hormones. I have this book. I've had this book long before Dr. Brooke and I actually became friends and it is awesome. I highly recommend it. I'll put the link to that book in the show notes. My conversation with Dr. Brooke was so good. We get into everything from how to know what your priorities are to how to balance those priorities to how to know what your hormones are telling you about your health. You do not want to miss this. And so without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Brooke. Hi, Dr. Brooke. Thank you so much for coming on Raised Resilient. We're so excited to talk with you today. Oh, you are very welcome. Thanks for having me. You have been so helpful to me, I know, in just helping me figure out my own health journey. And I have figured out from my own personal experience that health is so tied into how we show up as parents and how we can manage our stress, both how much our bodies can handle and then what we can do to actually manage our stress. And then a while ago, you did an episode on your own podcast about stress that was so helpful, I know, to me. So I thought my listeners would really benefit from some of your wisdom on handling stress as a parent, you know, because I think parents are some of the most stressed out people I know. It is parenting is so hard as I know you are living that alongside of us. Yeah. And I, this is one of my biggest regrets about my early practice when I was not a parent is the stuff I expected people to do. <laughs> it's just like, I just didn't get it. And they're like, yeah, if I did that, I would never see my kid. And I was like, but don't you right. want this goal? I mean, it was just bizarre. I, I really did not understand. I actually wish I could go back to a lot of the patients I worked with initially and be like, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. Not only the time constraints, the, the stuff that happens to your body and your hormones. I mean, you're just, my OBGYN said to me, our bodies are forever changed by our babies. And she's like, for better and worse. And I've never forgotten that because it's it was really helped with like just accepting the reality of you went through something 
something pretty major and you will be different. Yeah, I just didn't get that. I didn't get their priority shift, you know, like nothing trumps parenting for me. Like that is, if I do nothing else right today, that's the thing I care the most about getting right. So yep. yeah, I really didn't understand, of course, until no one can prepare you for it. I'm sure people oh, try yeah. to tell me and, <laughs> and no one can not tell you do it. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is so funny. I feel the same way about the clients that I worked with before I was a mom. Like I did almost exclusively child therapy and then parent support. I mean, I think I had some good things to say probably in, mixed in there, but I, I didn't <laughs> yeah, have the perspective, yeah. right? Hopefully we help people a little bit, but I just didn't have the perspective. Like I just didn't understand how monumental of a shift it is to become a parent and how hard it is. You know, because I went into parenthood like, oh yeah, I'm going to have this down pat because I'm a psychologist and I know about attachment. And yeah, no, that's not how it works. I have found it utterly fascinating to see myself as a child as I've parented. Yes. I have become so much more clear on my attachment issues, my traumas from childhood, the way that my nervous system responds to stress, and just how much I am invested in healing some of that for myself and my kids. But it's just, I thought I had a pretty good handle on it. I think until you see your kids mirror some behaviors, like my oldest is, you know, she's got some anxiety and, I, and I'm certainly better than I was. I mean, she's just turned 11. So I have evolved and learned a lot in the last 10, 11 years. But, you know, there's so much of that that I'm like, I can't believe I'm not doing a better job with this. So it really is something that I have to continue to go back and be like, that is still something I need to work on in me, not just to be a better mom. I don't want, I want to say that, like, I don't think moms need to improve themselves so they can be good moms. I think that moms need to work on their stuff so that they feel better and they just show up a way that they're proud of. Yes. I love that. I think that's so true. And I think, yes, we want to show up in a way that feels good to us. I mean, that's my whole thing on this podcast, parenting in a way that feels good for you and for your child. So it's not showing up differently through self-care because you need to be better because you're not already enough, but it's because if things are feeling chaotic, if you're not feeling confident in your parenting, if you are constantly doing 10 things at once, you're not feeling good about how you're showing up in this world. And I think we all deserve to feel good about that. You know, so that, that I love how you just said that. I think that's so true. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we know they just pick up on everything and we're such a example for them for better and for worse. And I've just been really open with my kids, especially as now they're getting a little bit older about that kind of stuff for me and stress. You know, my middle schooler, of course, is experiencing a new level of stress with changing classes and like this bigger friend group and she's in a lot of extracurricular stuff. So she's very busy. And I have the same conversations with her that I have with you all on my <laughs> podcast about stress isn't going anywhere. And you have to be really, in order to take care of yourself, you have to be really clear on what stresses are worth it and which stresses are not and which stresses you could do something about, which ones you can't. And the stresses we decide to keep, how are we going to change the way we approach that? Because you're doing this podcast. You and I were just talking about writing books and stuff. Sometimes there's things like your children or like something big like that that you yep. may want to do on your bucket list. That's, I mean, whoever's telling you they're not going to be stressful is lying. Those things I'm are right. really stressful and you're not going to like not fulfill your dreams or not be a good mom because it's stressful. So if those are, if you're not getting rid of your children today, <laughs> those are stresses that are going to stay. And many of us, you know, had children a little bit later. So we're in this weird spot where it's like we have young children and aging yes. parents and those are big problems. Those are big things that weigh on you and you care so much about that. And I always remind people that you wouldn't stress about it if you didn't care about it. Yeah. 
Yes. You love your children and you're trying to give them a good life, right? It's amazing the shift that happens from when you're single and you don't have children to having a child of like now the focus just becomes so much on like how to, their growth yes. and their future and their nurturing. So you're not going to give that up, right? That's important to you and it's worth having. Same thing you might be caring for parents, right? Like that might be incredibly stressful and scary and it takes a ton of time, but you're not going to step away from that. So we've got so many stresses we can do something about. Maybe you could hire it out. Maybe you can get more help. Maybe you can get more organized. Maybe you can let some things go. You know, maybe you don't have to have your dishes done every night. Maybe that's a stress that just, if you let it go, would free up more mental space and energy and calmness for you or pass it off. You know, like my husband does the dishes. He doesn't do them as well as I want him to, (laughs) but at least I didn't have to do it, right? Like I had to kind of get over like, I'm going to have to be okay with that if I want to help with this. And then when it comes to like maybe working with someone like me, who's helping you figure out like your biochemical stresses and your metabolic stresses and figuring some of those things out, those are stresses we can fix, right? It's stressful for you to be low on iron. It's stressful for you to be low on another nutrient. It's stressful to have inflammation. It's stressful not to have your blood sugar balanced. So there's this whole group of stresses that we can do something about. And, you know, we want to do that. We want to get stuff off our plate. We want to shore up any things that might be driving physiological stress. But then our stresses that we choose to keep, we need to come at those stresses just with a different mindset because all of the conversation around stress typically is about stress management. How do I manage? How do I organize? Now, hopefully we've done enough work on ourselves that we know what's maybe cared about for the wrong reasons. Like, is that something that I feel insecure about? Or is that some messaging that I had that maybe my body has to lurk a certain way or my home has to lurk a certain way? But then when we're clear about, I am stressed about these things because I care, like my children or my career or my family or my community or my parents, then those, we need to come at those stresses in a different way. We can't come at them with fight or flight, right? Because that just wrecks our hormones. No, absolutely. Our stresses are, you know, like you said, our kids aren't going away. And if we have aging parents, we care about our parents. We care about our careers. I mean, some of us, maybe we would like to work less or that's not our top priority right now. And that's okay. But for some of us, we're chasing dreams that are really important. And like, I know for me, this podcast, it's not always easy to make it happen with three little kids at home. But at the same time, it's so important to me. I am so passionate about this because I want other parents to feel good about how they're parenting. Like I want parenting to feel lighter. And so it's important and I'm going to make the space to do it even if it's stressful. So that speaks to, you talked a lot on your podcast episode about stress, about figuring out our values and figuring out, okay, what are the things we are going to pour ourselves into for the right reasons, right? Like maybe having that clean house, we're doing that because we felt like we had to do that to get our parents love. And now we realize, you know what, that's a trauma response or that's my perfectionism and I can let that go. But then I do care about these other things. I care about how I'm showing up with my kids. I care about how I'm showing up with my partner and I want to do this at work or do this with my career. And so then what, right? Then we have that stress. And so then what can we do to show up differently and less stressed for those priorities? Well, so we're pulled in a million directions, right? Most of us are making decisions all day and stressing about things and feeling overwhelmed about things, but making decisions for unclear reasons. Like we do stuff because we think we're supposed to. We do stuff because everyone else does. We do it because we've always done it and you can't be everywhere at once, right? So you're going to either spread yourself so thin that you're kind of doing a crappy job in every area. And that's how so many of us feel, right? Like I'm doing all the stuff, (laughs) kind of, but I'm not feeling like I'm excelling in any of it. And that doesn't feel much better than like totally neglecting one of those 
those things that's important to you. But going through a core value exercise and just taking the time to sit down and figure out like, what are the most important things to me? And it's no more than like three to five. What that can do in terms of our... So when we talk about stress, I think the message has always been stress is bad. Stress is going to kill you. Cortisol is bad for you. And what we have, of course, is a lot of stress. Most of us have unrelenting stress. We don't have... We'll have a period of stress, you know, being pregnant, going through, you know, the um, postpartum period. That's so stressful on your marriage, on your yeah. body, on it's so many things. And like that alone, maybe your career, you know, I work for myself. Taking maternity leave was stressful. Like there was no other doctor <laughs> right. to, to fill in for me, right? So that you go, yeah, you go through these periods of stress and we don't ever program any recovery. It's just like, you don't want to exercise every day. You don't want to lift heavy weights every single day. You don't want to run 20 miles every single day. You need recovery. And we don't often put in recovery after bouts of stress. We kind of just keep going and we always think it's going to get better and it never does. And so knowing what's important to you allows you to more effortlessly and less with less stress go through your day and make the choices because we have to make choices of what laundry detergent to buy, what we're going to feed our kids for lunch, what we're going to feed ourselves for lunch. Am I going to work out tonight? Am I going to work out this morning? Am I going to have that conversation with my partner that I keep putting off? Am I going to go to bed early? Am I going to watch TV? And by the end of the day, just the way your willpower system works, it's more like a battery than something that you have a lot of and you feel guilty if you don't have enough as so-and-so down the street. So at the end of the day, after all of those decisions take willpower and they're stressful and they add to your overall stress burden, we might not think of that as stressful. But when we know why, when we know what matters to us, then we can come at a decision. So if, let's say, for example, you figure out that your core values are your health and your family. If those are your top two. When it comes time to, am I going to work out in the morning or, or in the afternoon? Well, I know if I wait till the afternoon, I, I can't get it done. Something else comes up. So it's easy to say, like, I got to do it in the morning. Or if my family is the most important thing, then you might choose to be late for work to help your toddler through something that they're struggling with. You might choose effortlessly to eat the lunch that works so much better for you than some other quick option because you're already clear on that. So it just can free up a lot of resources for you to, you know, have less decisions and then just have less stress about all of it. You know, it's just one of the many ways we can kind of support ourselves with making our days less stressful. Because again, the things you choose to keep, we got to handle them better. So I'm not saying like you just get to keep like the best, your favorite stresses <laughs> in your life, like your kids and your you know community or whatever it is that's going on for you or your job, and then just be stressed and, you know, ruin your health about it. We need to prioritize and make some of those choices. And it just becomes easier to make those choices when you're more clear on what really matters to you. And I think something else I mentioned in that episode that you and I talked about off air was just because you have more than one priority, especially a working mom, you can often feel like you're with your kids, but you're like, I should get back to that email. I never got back to that person. Or like, I should be writing the blog or I should be posting on social media. And I think one of the things that really helped me be less feeling guilty about not doing one thing when I'm doing something else. And on the other side of that is I'm working thinking, oh, I should be spending time with my kids, is having that core value helps you set those priorities. And then instead of worrying about, oh, well, I spelled spent eight hours working, but only an hour and a half with my kids this evening, worry less about the time and worry more about the quality. Like bring your A game for eight hours to work, bring your A game for two hours with your kids. And that's so much better than the guilt and the feeling torn that most of us do. Yes. That was one of the most influential things I took from that episode. And it jives with something my husband actually said when we first met. I remember I was in grad school. I was in like the thick of grad school when we first met. And he told me something he told his best friend when they were in college and it was Halloween and his friend was studying for some big test and he was gonna like sort of study and then go out for Halloween. And my husband said to him, like, either 
stay here and study and like really study or study for an hour, like for real, and then come out with us for Halloween and then be there. But don't try to have a foot in both Mm -hmm. camps because you're going to just do both poorly and feel bad about both. And that stuck with me. And then when I heard your episode, I was like, yes, that is so true. And it jives with something that I tell parents, which is that, you know, if you are distracted and doing household chores or doing work or doing other things and not immediately playing with your child, first of all, it's not your job to entertain your child. So that is a hundred percent okay. But can you plug in fully, maybe say during mealtimes, during bath time, at story time at night, like those caregiving moments, can you just put your phone down and be totally present? And yeah, maybe that adds up to an hour total, two hours total in the day. But if you're really present for that time, the rest of it kind of doesn't matter. Like you're getting your child's needs met. And of course you can still respond to your child. And a lot of us, I know I work from home now. And so that's something that either you're still doing after the pandemic, or at least you probably know what it's like, right? If you're listening and you've, you've probably had to work from home without childcare and it is a tough situation. And so, yeah, you might still have to go stop and change a diaper in the middle of writing an email, but can you try to be fully present in one or the other? I think that is such a game changer. Yeah. I always use that analogy of like a stove. Like if you have a stove top with four boiling pots on it, you're going to have a mess, right? And then like <laughs> you think of like one pot is career, one's your health, one's your kids and one's something else. They can't all be on full boil. So while you are in a phase, maybe like right now you're writing a book or right now you have a big project at work or right now, like you're dealing with a parent with a health issue or a kid that's having some trouble, like that pot gets put to the front and it needs to be on full boil, right? And that one needs your attention. You're going to have to simmer the rest of them. And so I think knowing your core values, you know what's in those pots. But then, so maybe right now is a season or a time where you're focusing on this one thing. I think so often we feel like this is just it. And we just have to rotate the pots. Like just in time, you need to make sure like, okay, like right now I have to kind of rotate this. And it doesn't mean like during that time you're taking care of that thing, you don't work out at all and you don't eat food that works for you and you, you know, totally ignore your husband because you're caring for your kid. But like some of those things might get a little less attention. And I think that analogy is helpful because most of us feel like we are supposed to be doing it all 100% all the time and doing it perfectly. And that's absolutely impossible. So just let yourselves all off the hook for that. But it's that feeling that that's what makes us feel stressed about it. And then that's what drives so much of our anxiety and our sleep problems and that of our digestive problems and our PMS and all of that, because we're asking ourselves to do something that's just truly impossible. Absolutely. Like you can't do all the things really well all the time. So if you know that eating well is a priority, but you've got a particularly stressful week, what can you do to cut some corners? Maybe that pot goes to the back of the stove and it goes on simmer. And then I love that analogy because it's so helpful, right? And then you're focused on whatever it is that really needs your attention that week. If you've got a sick kid, you're going to do what you have to do for the other pots and you're really going to focus on your child. So yeah, I think that's such a great analogy. And instead of feeling like you have to just do it all, all the time, instead of thinking maybe of balance, can we think of harmony, right? Like how can these things live together? Yeah, I think balance is a tough one, right? Balance to me implies that everything's equal. And I, I think most of us find that's not the reality. So it's either we're balanced or we're totally out of balance. So out of balance would mean, okay, I'm taking care of my sick kids. So um, maybe I have a gluten sensitivity, but I'm going to order pizza tonight. Or maybe I don't sleep well when I drink wine, but I'm going to drink wine to cope. I always say like, when you can't do everything, don't do nothing, at least do something. So like looking for, okay, right now my kid is sick. And so that's the priority. So maybe I can't go to the gym, but can I do something at home? Could I do a yoga DVD or could I go for a walk? Or could I really focus on good nutrition today since I can't get any exercise? Like, Or could I just go to bed a half an hour earlier? Or could I just 
drink more water. And oftentimes if we lower the bar like that, it keeps us paying attention to all the things that are important to us, but maybe we're, you know, we don't feel like I have to be all in on everything all the time because that just leads to us feeling like we're failing. And most of us, when we fail, what do we feel like? Oh, forget it. I'll just get back to taking care of myself when yep. my kids well, or when my parents are through this thing, or when my husband gets a new job, you know, I always say that one of the biggest, probably the biggest words that hurt women are, there will be more time for me later. <laughs> there never is. Yes. Oh, that's so true. That's so true. And I think, you know, just as parents in general, like we have to make that time for ourselves. And that's why I think knowing those priorities, it's so important. Like for me, I know that I cannot show up as the mom that I want to be if I'm not moving my body during the day. Like that has to happen. And thanks to Mm -hmm. you, actually, it's my hour long mantra walk. Like that's something that I do not let slide unless I am like feverish and can't get out of bed. And so, yeah, that might mean that like I'm getting up early and doing it in the dark. That might mean that I'm taking my toddler in the stroller. And thankfully she's still cool with the stroller, but there may come a time when she's kind of eh about the stroller. And I think that's a time when I'll just do what I did with my older kids and set that boundary and say, I know you don't want to do this, but this is really important. And when we're done, we can go to the playground or whatever. But this hour is an hour that I need. And so how can I build that in? We also walk our kids to and from school. And so right now my walk happens in the afternoon and not in the mornings, which is not my favorite, but my husband walks them to school and then I pick them up. So I get my hour in, but it's at three o'clock instead of in the morning. And is that ideal for me? No, but it's what I need in this season. It's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. It's a way to keep that priority a priority, right? Even through this season where things feel busy. Yeah. And it's so stressful on us to feel like, yeah, like we're just doing none of it. That would just make you feel guilty, right? And then it becomes this big thing of like, oh, I have to get back to that. So yeah, I think opting out of trying to make it perfect and just getting something done that helps you towards whatever goal it is, whether that's walking or how you're eating or your sleep or whatever. Absolutely. I think that's so important. And so toward that end, I actually said something in my podcast episode recently on, I did an episode on mom rage slash parenting rage. And I talked about four major reasons that we might get ragey. And one of those reasons is that something might be off with our hormones. And so I'm wondering if you could speak to some of the signals that our bodies send us and maybe sort of how to tap into those. I know this could be its own whole episode, but just an overview of what we might be looking for and what our next steps would be. I mean, obviously calling you to work with you would be one of them, right? Like what can we do if we're feeling like something's off in our bodies? Yeah. I mean, and especially like those first few years of, especially the first year. And then, you know, so many of us don't get like the right care after we have a baby. And so we can be so deficient in so many things, so many things not looked at. And one of the main reasons we're cranky with people is because we're tired. So certainly, you know, there's so many nutrient deficiencies, whether we're talking iron or B vitamins and things like that. So if you haven't like had a good lab workup, and I have a free guide for that too, if you feel like, I don't even know what tests I should get, getting your thyroid looked at, especially those that first year postpartum, but certainly women at least once or twice a year need to have those things screened. So that's a biggie that you're probably going to need some lab tests for. But when it comes to like some of your major hormones that impact how you're feeling, when I wrote Hangry, I put together a lot of acronyms because that's kind of how my brain works. And I know that that's how people remember things. So I try to put Mm -hmm. some systems in there. So if you don't know about Hangry, it's a book I wrote like five years ago now. It's hard to believe with Sarah Fragoso. And you can find that wherever you get your books. It came out in paperback this year, but it's a really comprehensive system in terms of understanding all of your hormones because women take to Google or they work with multiple providers and they're like, well, I've got this going on with my thyroid and I'm wondering about this with my cortisol. And then I've also got low progesterone or whatever. And the advice all over the internet is so different for those things. So Hangry was put together to help you look at, okay, I have multiple issues. What things can I try that won't perturb another hormone? Because 
you know, sometimes what you read to do for your blood sugar is totally the opposite of what someone else tells you to do for your thyroid, right? So that's where this yes. information is coming from. But one of the th- systems I taught in there was an acronym called ACEs. So this has to do with cortisol and insulin, and this has a ton to do with your blood sugar. And most people do not realize how much, how they feel, their emotions, how much of that is driven by their blood sugar being all over the map. I mean, women were always trying to cut calories, right? So like I shave off this or I skip lunch, or maybe I'm trying intermittent fasting, especially like, I feel like that postpartum time too, is this pressure to have your body be different. So many women are under eating protein. Many women are under eating in general, or they just haven't quite figured out their meal timing because of their young children's schedule. So the, the acronym there is ACEs. So it's appetite, cravings, energy, and sleep. So checking in with your appetite, both when you're between meals, so before a meal and after a meal can give you insight into both insulin and cortisol. Sugar cravings, same thing, energy levels, and then sleep. How easy is it for you to fall asleep and stay asleep? So you're going to be looking for signs of maybe lower cortisol or having a harder time keeping your blood sugar regulated or higher stress between meals. So if you're ravenous, if you're hangry, it's the name of the book. If you're, you know, falling apart between meals, you eat and you feel like a different person, that is going to tell you something about your stress response. If you're eating and and then you're feeling sleepy afterwards, or you're having sugar cravings, or you're needing caffeine because you're like, I just kind of need that little pick-me-up after I ate. That may tell you that you ate something that's causing you some inflammation, or it may tell you that you're not eating the right macronutrients. Like you might be eating too many carbs or a certain kind of carbohydrate that's not you know, enough for you, or you might need more protein or fiber in that meal. And then the same thing with sleep. Can you fall asleep and easily stay asleep? So that's a good acronym that everybody can kind of check in with. You can also, of course, get your cortisol tested and evaluated. You can use a glucometer or a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor that you just wear on your arm. There's lots of tools to actually check in on your blood sugar and you can get a glucometer for about $40. It's not a huge hindrance for most people to get one of these devices. They're not just used for when you're actually dealing with overt diabetes and it can be incredibly insightful for you. But the ACEs variables are also really, really easy for women to tune in to. You just have to prioritize that for yourself of like, okay, I need to take a look at this. Get in touch with those feelings. Now, some women, they're like, I don't know. I can't get a handle on how I'm feeling. That's when a glucometer is probably a must. But eventually, I would like all women to be able to, you know, tune into what their hormones are saying because I, I think we forget that our hormones are, or maybe we just don't know, our hormones are talking to us all day. And we get so mad at our hormones, but they're just really trying to keep us level. And their big smoke signals are these symptoms. So if you've got a ravenous appetite, a low appetite, a low appetite for protein, cravings for sugar, cravings for carbs, low energy in the afternoon, these can be, a lot of those can be sorted out with with blood sugar. And you don't need testing for that, right? Like you might have something going on with your thyroid, but even if you do, you're still going to need to balance your blood sugar because it supports good thyroid function. And then if you have, you know, ragey issues or emotional things or any of that that goes on for you that feels more cyclical. If you're feeling, in terms of those ACEs variables, super tired during your period, check your iron, check your B vitamins. If you're feeling anxious or, you know, worse sleep and stuff like that around ovulation, you might want to look into estrogen, your ability to metabolize estrogen, your gut health, histamine intolerance. I do talk about all those things on my podcast, The Dr. Brooke Show, on my blog, Better by Dr. Brooke, and in Hangry. And then if you have issues that are more showing up like just at the end of your cycle, you might again still be looking at like estrogen metabolism, but you might also be looking at like low progesterone. So any of those ACEs variables can be really insightful for you to understand like on a daily basis and then throughout the month. And the important thing to remember is many of us, you know, we're like, well, I'm eating this way because this is what worked for me before I had a baby or this is what worked for me in college or this is, you know, it's 
it's really important to understand your hormones are a moving target. They change, you know, throughout the day. They change throughout the cycle. They certainly change throughout, you know, months and throughout years, you know, and they're going to be very different than before you got pregnant and before you had kids. Absolutely. No, thank you. That was so helpful. I feel like you just gave us so much helpful information. And I think, you know, first of all, y'all, Hangry is amazing. It's go get your copy. I'm going to link it in the show notes, but it is just a step-by-step guide. And it's, it's stuff that you can do without necessarily having to overhaul everything. I mean, it's, it's lab work and just sort of being a detective and figuring out what's going on for yourself. And then, you know, seeing what's left over and what you might need support from a medical provider for. So go check it out. But I think, you know, one of the biggest takeaways from what I just heard you talking about is that like, it's not normal to not be able to fall asleep every single night or to wake up in the middle of the night every single night. And I know if you're like me getting woken up by a toddler, that doesn't count. But like, if you're waking right. up on your own and you you can't get back to sleep. And I know for me, even though my toddler wakes me up every other night, I usually can fall right back to sleep. And then as I get closer to the end of my cycle, that's when I can't fall back to sleep necessarily. So that's good data, right? And that's that can be kind of normal, right? But like every night, you shouldn't be waking up and having a couple of hours in the middle of the night where you can't get back to sleep. Or like you shouldn't constantly be craving sugar or salt. If that's happening, that's a good time to get curious. And so I just think that's so helpful that we can pay attention to these signs that our bodies are giving us constantly. Yeah. And they, when we experience those, it's easy to write them off because it's not life-threatening to have painful periods or to be cranky before your period or to feel low energy, you know, around ovulation. Like I feel bloated every time I eat, but that's not the kind of stuff that oftentimes gets us to get help, right? Because we've like, well, you know, again, like I said, there'll be time for me to deal with that later. And what happens often is, you know, you'll get some signals, some symptoms, and then we ignore them. And then I'm going to ask you again in three to six months, and you're going to be like, yeah, it was a little bit of PMS, but now my cycle's a week late. My PMS is terrible. I've got really bad insomnia a couple days before my period. And it's like, unless your stress changes, a lot of it is not going to correct itself, right? And it's just so in our nature as women to help everyone else. And, you know, that's a really important thing about being a woman, but it's not our our only job. And so when we're taking care of everyone else and putting our stuff on hold, again, it always, it waits for us for the most part. Absolutely. And and so just like being in tune with that now, and I think it jives really nicely with, you know, this whole idea of reparenting ourselves and tuning into our bodies to feel our emotions, which most of us have spent our entire lives not doing that. And that's, you know, how we were parented to sort of get up and brush it off and you're fine, yeah. right? But we need to be able to tune into our bodies to feel our emotions. That's one thing that will lower our stress is to actually feel our feelings. And then also to pay attention to the signals our bodies are giving us so that we can heal whatever needs healing and show up the way we want to. I think that's, it's really freeing to know that we can do that and that we have that power to really tune in and figure out what we need to work on. Yeah. No one taught us this. This should be like health 101 in high school. Absolutely. The more we understand about our bodies, and again, this is what we're trying to empower our kids to do, right? We're trying to empower them to listen to their bodies. You're the boss of your body. You'll let me know when you feel ready. And so, but we've got to be able to do that too as parents. That's so important. Yeah, it's a lot, but it's, I would say it's work worth doing. Yes, absolutely. Well, Dr. Brooke, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this helpful information. Where is somewhere that our audience can find you if they want to learn more? Yeah, well, my favorite place to be these days is my podcast. It's The Dr. Brooke Show. I do have, of course, my blog and my social media and all the podcast stuff at betterbydrbrooke.com. And if anyone needs to work with me, I do have a virtual practice and I work with patients all over. So you can reach me off my website as well. Well, thank you so much. This was so much fun. You're very welcome. 
I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.